Let's stand up. Let's pray. Good to see everybody today. Hope you had a great Christmas. Everybody looking forward to the new year? I hope you are. Um, if you're not, hopefully by the time we're done, you'll have reason to hope. So let's lift our hands up. And Lord, we just welcome your presence. We thank you that we become the hosts and hostesses of that which is the divine fire and life of the Holy Spirit. And so we thank you, Holy Spirit, for being our teacher and our guide. I ask you to illuminate and anoint me right now, to anoint my lips. Father, to open our eyes and our ears that we can hear and see things from your word that will be transforming for us and empowering for the new year. And I pray a blessing of favor and grace and mercy over all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be seated. So we're going to go back. We've been looking at Elijah. We took a little bit of a break from that. Uh, over Christmas. We're going to get back into Elijah today. And so I want to... Please tell me I didn't... I put the wrong scripture reference. Okay, give me a second. First Kings... I knew I should have looked this up before. I know it's going to be after First Kings 17, because we're going to kind of pick up where we left off. Um, Yes, 1717. Hey, hey, can't beat that. 1 Kings 17, verse 17, it says, Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick, and this sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? Now, a lot of people would think that is what a prophet does. That's their whole job. That's their whole mission. John Bevere wrote a whole book about it. But we'll leave that alone. It's not what Elijah did. Not what prophets do. In verse 19 it says, And he said to her, Give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. So he lifts him up, takes him into the upper room, Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came back to him and he revived And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, now by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. And then we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But I want to just comment, if, if you haven't heard any of these messages or you really haven't heard me preach before, I, I don't take a typical approach to scriptures <laughs> in, the, in the sense that I believe that everything specifically, especially in the Old Testament, is pointing to what Paul called in Colossians chapter 1, the reality or the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. So everything that we read that has an external thing to it, the stories, the, the events, talking about a real widow and a real prophet and a, and a real son and all of that stuff 
is not just historical, but it is actually pointing to a reality that is inside of us, a reality that is inside of you for the purpose of transforming and empowering us to live out the life that we are capable of living as sons and daughters of God or that we are capable of living in Christ or out from Christ. Right? So that's the approach that we take when we look at this stuff. So we tend to gravitate towards things that represent stuff inside of you and we look at things for their symbolic value, not just their literal value. Is everybody okay with that? So I want you to notice that a couple things that are interesting here. The first thing I want you to notice in the story is that Elijah has to remove the son from the mother and raise him up and take him into an upper room where she is not, where she is not present. And he works the miracle in a place where that is hidden, not in a place that is out in the open. And after he works the miracle, he brings the sun down again. So there is ascending and descending. He goes up, brings life to the child. Then when he comes down, he gives the son back to the mother where she can see that he's alive. So the lower part of the house represents the seen world. The upper part of the house represents the unseen world or the heavenly places in Christ where you are seated or what we've been calling in this series where your higher self is. And Elijah represents that inside of you and that inside of me, which has the potential and the capacity to manifest miracles and actually shows us principles about how to do it in the story. (laughs) So that's where we're going this morning. (laughs) Is that okay? Thank you. All right. So with that in mind, come with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we'll start in verse 4, actually. 1. Paul says this, verse 4, he says, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. So in other words, he did not start out trying to just persuade based on an argument. So my speech and my preaching was not to persuade you and to convince you that I was right. That's basically what he's saying. But it, but it was in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak a wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom. Now I want you to see this statement. It's very important to where we're going. Which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Everybody say our glory. It does not say for His glory. 
Okay. Yeah, right? Which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, watch this, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God prepared for those who love him. Here's the point. The things that God has prepared before the ages for our glory does not enter in through the eye or the ear. In other words, it does not come from the physical realm into consciousness or the consciousness of the heart. Does not mean you cannot know them. Lots of people have plucked this verse out of context and thrown it up at people and said, you can't know the things of God because nobody knows what God's prepared. That's not what this is saying. (laughs) It's saying it does not come through scientific means. It does not come from the physical realm into the realm of consciousness. That's very important. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Everybody say to me, the Spirit searches all things. Everybody say things. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man who is in them? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So what things is he searching? He's searching all things that are of God. All things that were prepared beforehand for your glory. Things. Everybody say things. <laughs> now Paul's explaining how he's able to come, not with wise and persuasive words of man's wisdom, but with the demonstration of the Spirit and power. That's the whole context of it. Then he says, Now we have received not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may know the things which have been freely given to us by God. What things are you supposed to know? The things that have been freely given to you by God. Right? All right. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. He cannot know them, for they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. All right, so let's do it like this. All right, I'm presupposing everyone here believes in a spiritual realm. In a spiritual realm. The Bible calls it the heavens. Uh, Going all the way back to the 4th century, uh, before your Bibles, 3rd century, before your Bibles, you had the Nicene Creed. What made you a Christian wasn't believing the Bible. What made you a Christian was believing the Nicene Creed. And it begins out, it begins by saying this. We believe in one God, creator of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. So there are things visible and things invisible. (laughs) Right? So this realm that exists. I want you to, I want you to do it this way. What I want to be able to do is transport you this morning into a different world, into a different realm. 
right? See, there is this physical realm that we know about, right? And it is territory. And we have maps that tell us how to get around the territory that's out here. Yes? But there is also a spiritual world that exists primarily, that, that, that is invisible and unseen. But it is, if we believe this passage and other passages in the Bible, it is a realm of consciousness. It's a realm of consciousness. And there are things that exist in the realm of consciousness. So here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, if you try, you'll never be able to know God. All right, let me back up. Let me back up. The basic level of human consciousness is this. Information comes to us from the external physical world. We process it and categorize it based on what we know about it from our learnings and our past experiences. In other words, my child had to learn what a chair was. My child had to learn, just like all of us, what the color brown is. Had to learn the difference between male and female, right? So when they're doing that, chair is a category of a type of furniture. But they had to learn that. Brown is a category of a type of color. Male, female categories for human beings. You you see how we do that? So we build these mental maps or we build these mental categories of everything that's out there so that we can make sense, so that we can function in it. And what Paul is clearly saying is he's saying that there are things that God has prepared for those who love him. If they are things, they have to have an existence. But eye has not seen them, and ear has not heard them. So it is not something that exists in the seen realm yet. It exists in the realm of consciousness. It exists in the realm of the Spirit. Therefore, God reveals them to us by His Spirit, that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. Which means then... That in order to work anything miraculous, in order to interact with the Spirit, you have to shift from this basic level of consciousness that is outside in to a level where something exists in consciousness first and works from the inside out. That's what he's saying. Uh, Are you breathing? Um, so if you think about it this way, you can think of the Spirit of God or the mind of God or consciousness as a territory that you can travel interiorly. You can travel internally. You can travel with your mind and your understanding and engaging your consciousness and your heart. But it also has to be mapped for us so that we don't get lost. After the resurrection of Jesus in Luke's gospel, there are two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And it says that Jesus appears in a different form, but a physical form. 
comes alongside them and starts to talk to them about himself. And they do not recognize him. It says their eyes are restrained from knowing who he is. And he explains to them what he did and why he did it. We don't get the explanation. We just get that he explained it. (laughs) And then they sit down and they break bread together. And when they break bread, it says their eyes were opened and they knew that it was the Lord. And it says this, he vanished from their sight. Where did he go? Did he just become the invisible man and start walking alongside them? When Jesus ascended and was taken, carried by a cloud out of their sight, where did he go? Someplace way out past the known universe out there someplace? If you have a you that is seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, which you do according to Ephesians chapter 2, where is that you? Out in the universe somewhere? When the, when, the, when the disciples on the road to Emmaus, when they go back after this encounter, when they go back to tell the disciples about the encounter, when they begin to language the encounter that they had, when they begin to talk about it, when they begin to describe it, what happens? Jesus reappears and eats and breaks bread with them. In other words, gives them the same encounter that they had. So here's the point. When Christ ascends... He leaves the physical dimension, but he becomes seated in the realm of consciousness. He becomes seated in the realm of consciousness. So therefore you can access who Christ is by becoming aware and conscious of who he is. When you become aware and conscious of his presence, that's why we have it all wrong, gang. We, the, the old paradigm for me used to be when, with worship, you know, you gotta make sure you play the right song and you gotta make sure you hit the right note. And I just remember all this crazy stuff, you know, where like the Holy Spirit would get grieved because you sang the wrong song or you hit a sour note or whatever and somehow it grieved the Spirit. And and, and it's because people's experience would be this, that, that, that worship would seem to bring the presence of God down. It would seem to bring the Spirit down. Right? And then we'd kind of either get catch it or lose it. But the real truth is, is that the song is simply a vehicle whereby your attention, it grabs your attention and carries your attention To that place of consciousness where God always is. Where Christ is always present. So it's not Him coming and going. It's your consciousness finding a vehicle of ascension that takes you away from the physical realities that have been dominating your mind that the Bible calls the flesh and transporting you into the heavenly places where you are already seated in Christ. Christ, where by the Spirit, God can begin to reveal unto you and to reveal unto me the things that He has prepared for our future to manifest for our glory. You see it? So here's the other thing that exists in the realm of, of the mind, in the realm of consciousness. I hope you're not nervous about the term. I don't know how else to say it. I could say it exists in the mind of God, but that's just too many words. And you get all religious on me and it's far out there, out in outer space. It exists in the realm of consciousness. 
It exists. Everything God has for your future has an existence in the realm of consciousness. Everything that He has, everything that He's prepared before the ages for your glory, before creation, before there was a physical world, it existed in the mind of God. You had an existence in the mind of God. That's why He chose you before the foundation of the world to be adopted as His sons and daughters in Christ. You existed inside the mind of the Logos. Everything that He prepared for your life has an existence inside the mind of the Logos. And the fact that you desire something, you say, how do I know what it is? Check your desires. The Bible says, delight yourself to the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. You cannot desire something if it isn't missing and it can't be missing if it has no reality. It cannot be missing if it has no existence. You wouldn't be able to be conscious of it if it didn't already exist out there somewhere. Therefore, what you desire, you can connect with. And your desire will oftentimes lead you to those things that God has prepared for you. But all of that exists in a realm of consciousness before it can exist in the realm of time and space. That's just absolutely the truth. It's just absolutely the truth. So, the key then is to interact with the Spirit outside the constraints of the categories of your normal expectation for life. Your conditioned responses about what you think is going to happen based on your past experiences of this realm of this mind, if you will, that is conditioned from this physical world inwardly. I'll come back to this a little bit more in a minute. Um, To be able to engage the spirit and the mind of the spirit about things that God has prepared, this is what Paul's saying that he did. I did not come to you with wise and persuasive words of man's wisdom. I came to you with words that brought a demonstration of the Spirit and power. In other words, it has to be... All right, let's back up. Let's do it this way, because I want to make it simpler for you. Everything in this room, everything in this room, before it existed in time and space, was an idea. The painting existed in the consciousness of the artist before he painted it so that you could see it. These chairs existed in the mind of whoever designed them before they went to the factory and you could see them. The microphones, all the all this equipment existed before it was even invented as somebody's creative idea. The songs that we sang existed inside the composer's consciousness before it was translated into something that you could experience. All of life works this way. This is not a law that is other than natural law. This is perfectly consistent with natural law. Somebody had to think it. So in other words, that chair existed in consciousness before it existed in reality. That painting existed in the realm of consciousness before it existed in reality. Every song that you've ever heard existed in the realm of consciousness before it existed in the realm of reality. Are you tracking with me? 
So miracles work the same way. Everything you want to manifest for your future in God exists the same way. Paul talks very differently about prayer. Paul will mess up your prayer life. If you just forget your religious stuff and traditions and all that stuff that you do and we're taught in church, and you just go read the Apostle Paul and the things he says like you believe it, like making a decision to believe it, he'll totally mess up your prayer life. Because right here he's saying God already prepared things for your glory. Now wait a minute. I was taught to beg and plead and, and, and get the words right and say in the name of Jesus because there's power in the name of Jesus, but that's really not his name because his name was Yeshua and, and we changed his name to Jesus. You go down to Israel in the first century and you say Jesus, you walk right behind him and say, hey Jesus, he's not even going to turn around. It's just the truth, because Jesus comes to us from the Greek language, and His name was Yeshua. And so, maybe that's why we don't get our prayers answered, because we're praying in the name of Jesus. We got the man's name wrong, and there's power in the name, so we got to switch. And so, but the, I know this sounds crazy, but this is how crazy it gets. So you got to start saying in the name of Yeshua now, instead of in the name of Jesus, to get something to happen, right? But then we're, it's not working, so then there's a group that comes along. I am not making this up. This really exists out there as teaching. So then that doesn't work. So there's a group that comes along and says, no, 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 we got it wrong. You don't pronounce it Yeshua. You pronounce it Yahshua for Yahweh. So now we have to pray in the name of Yahshua to get it right. And that's how crazy religion will drive you. So I said, pray, try to get God, try if it be your will, and then if it manifests, I give him all the glory because he wants all the glory to himself. Paul messes all that up because he says, look, there are things that exist in the mind of God that God ordained for your glory before the foundation of the world, and he wants you to know the things he's already freely given to you and already decided that you can have. So this idea of praying and trying to get God to change His mind is an absolute exercise in futility. What is supposed to happen is a shift in consciousness that happens by the Spirit where you go into the upper room. Where the living child exists. But in a realm that can't be seen. I'll give you a practical example. When, when I first started moving in what, what, what they call in charismatic circles, word of knowledge. And for those of you that don't know what that is, it's, 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 it's an idea that pops into your head about somebody else that comes from the Holy Spirit. It's a gift of the Spirit mentioned in Scripture. comes into your mind about someone else's situation that they did not tell you or you did not have any natural way of knowing. I did not see, ear did not hear. Right? Oftentimes it's associated with healing. So I remember many, 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 many moons ago. In church, getting ready to preach, in worship, and I close my eyes and I'm engaging the Spirit with intention. Holy Spirit, I'm engaging you. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do today? And I see a flash run through my mind. This is how this worked. I see a flash run through my mind. And here's what I see. I see a picture. And I see a picture of an open book, like encyclopedia or medical, some kind of medical text. And it's got a drawing or a sketch of an ear. And it came and went that fast. And I thought, huh. I wonder if that's a word of knowledge. I wonder if... uh, God wants to heal somebody. And so somehow the way the ear was positioned, I figured it was a left ear. 
And so I stood up and I said, the Holy Spirit wants to heal someone's left ear this morning. And it was a group a little bit bigger than this, so not a lot. I said, you can't hear in your left ear and the Holy Spirit wants to heal you this morning. And there was a woman uh, named Lisa in our congregation who got up and started to walk down. And while she's walking down... While she's walking down, she feels the power of God come over her, and her ear pops open, and she can hear out of that ear uh, for the first time in, in a really, really, really long time. Instantly healed. Now, let me give you the back story. When she was... Uh, I don't remember all... She, she had lost hearing in that ear. I can't remember what caused her to lose uh, hearing in that ear. A firecracker or something? firecracker and it had um what had been 30 years or something it'd been and she was in her mid-30s like so when she was a child and she she must not have lost complete hearing because there was something happened later that left her tone deaf because she she wanted to be a uh or she she was a singer she had a beautiful voice but anyway through a series of circumstances and stuff she was left tone deaf and I was <clears throat> preaching, I think it was around New Year's actually, because I was talking about vision and purpose and destiny. And she decided uh, she wanted to get in touch with her purpose, what God had for her. And she realized she had a voice that she could sing. And at that time, we were starting a choir. And so she wanted to join the choir, but she knew she couldn't sing because she couldn't hear right because she was tone deaf. <laughs> but she made a decision by faith to go to the choir practice the Saturday before I stood up and said... God's healing somebody's ear. So she goes Saturday to the choir practice in faith because she felt like it was something that God had prepared for her from before the foundation of the world. Now here's the thing, saints. If somebody, didn't have to be me, this is the thing that scared me. Because I saw that picture in a flash. And I decided to act on it in confidence and faith by making the declaration, there's someone here and God wants to heal them. Here's the scary thing. This is going to upset your religious tradition that's been working so well for you in your life and manifesting so many miracles and abundant life for you. If I or someone had not picked up on that and translated it into words, it never would have happened. It never would have happened. Even though God's intention and the thing that He had prepared for her, for her healing, so that she could step into her destiny, even though it existed, it only existed in the mind of God. It had to have a human Vessel, a human vehicle that could translate it by intention, by speech, by understanding, and by action into the realm of the scene. And only then was a current of power released. And she had to act on it. She had to believe it. She had to say, this is for me. She had to say, that's me, and get out of her seat. And when she began to walk, that which existed only in the realm of the Spirit, there was a current of power that was manifested that she walked into and stepped into that instantly opened her ear that had been deaf for 30 some years so that she could step into the things that God had prepared for her because He loved her. (laughs) 
And that began for me a season of signs and wonders and miracles so that I could walk into a meeting. These, I mean, these guys will tell you. I'm not telling you anything. But I could walk into a meeting with ten people and find out what was going on in people's bodies and declare healing over them and they would get healed. I remember Roger in the back, Roger's son Matt coming forward during that season. And I didn't know anything physically wrong with him, but he was in a healing line, so I knew there was something. And I remember I put my hand on the back of his neck, and instantly I saw a picture of the power of God moving down and in his back and all this stuff and all this information. And I remember declaring it because you have to bring it to speech. You can't just see it and say, oh, wow, God, Lord, would you please do this? Oh, well, you know, maybe this could happen. Lord, would you please? There's no demonstration of power in Lord, would you please? So I declared what I was seeing. Matt, the power of God is going through your body right now. It's traveling and it's causing all that. I didn't know he was suffering from back pain. I didn't know that he had to take prescription medication for his back pain before he fell asleep and that he would wake up in the middle of the night after the prescription medication wore off, unable to sleep, and would have to take more in order to get back to sleep. And I remember he told me for after that night, for the first night in how many years, four years, whatever it had been since he'd been having back trouble, for the first night I didn't have to take any pain medication. I slept through the whole night. I slept like a baby. So I'm, I'm not preaching theory to you. I'm not preaching something I read in a book or something I made up. I'm preaching something that I have lived for years. And our problem is, in the, in the walk of faith, and it is that we think God is completely detached from us and completely sovereign. He's completely other and alien and foreign and out there. And we don't know how to relate to Him. We haven't a clue how to relate to Him. Because we live at this realm of consciousness from the outside in. We don't know how to get to the upper room. Which brings me back to Elijah. In a minute. We have to learn how to live by revelation and faith. How to see a possibility and see a reality that exists only in the realm of the mind. Only in the realm of the mind of God. Only in the realm of your mind and your consciousness. And there has to be an exchange. There has to be a point where you align yourself with intention. This is what I'm going to have. With thought. With purpose. With emotion and feeling. And with words and with actions. And then are able to bring it forth because you realize you are the vessel and the vehicle. You are the gateway. You are the doorway between that which is invisible and that which is visible. Humanity is the only thing I know of in all of creation, mentioned in the Bible, that has both access to the spirit and the physical. Angels are completely spirits with no bodies. Animals are bodies and intelligences with no spirits. Only you and I become the gateway and the conduit through which that which is spiritual can translate into that which is natural. Which is why you have to have a miracle worker 
and not just God some airy, doing some airy-fairy thing to bring forth a manifestation of miracles. And your desire and your emotion and your focus and your thinking and your intention is the tools that God gave you to translate things into manifestation. So the Bible can say, whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. Not what God decides. Whatever you sow, you shall reap. So you are living the harvest of your thoughts. You are living the harvest of your emotions. You are living the harvest of your words. You are living the harvest of your intentions. You're living the harvest of your actions. And it's an irrevocable law because God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. He who sows to the flesh, not not, not to a sin nature, he who sows to the flesh, all that I can see is what's real. All that I can feel is what's real. This, This feedback loop of information coming in and going out of me is all all that there is and 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 so you just keep manifesting it so you're afraid that's an emotion and and the world doesn't know that you're not choosing it so therefore like job you can say the thing i feared the thing i greatly feared came upon me i know people don't like to hear it but we want to give our power away we want to give it away when god's trying to give it to you you shall receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you You shall prophesy. True prophecy is the ability to change the future. It is not the ability to just cheer somebody up. (laughs) By telling them encouraging words and how much God loves them. So here's Elijah, alright? We'll finish this up. I'm done. Here's Here's the point. You have to have... I'm not even going to get into all that. Yeah, I need to for a little bit. In the working of miracles, there is both a masculine and feminine principle. Everybody say principle. principle. Meaning masculine being, now, now listen closely, masculine being that which has the power to initiate and penetrate an environment with a new possibility for life. The feminine being that which is able to receive it and carry it out and bring it into manifestation. Yes. Are you breathing? Yes. The reason there's power in the name of God, Yahweh, Jewish, the, the, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous, the name of Yahweh is a strong tower, the righteous run into it. You know how a Jewish person sees that? Because there are masculine and feminine letters. Hey is feminine. It's Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey. Hey is feminine. Yod is masculine. Vav is masculine. So it's father, mother, son, daughter. In other words, you have to have the balance of the masculine energies and the feminine energies which are contained in the person of God in order for anything to happen in the natural. So Elijah shows up to a woman who is a widow, meaning she is the feminine principle without a masculine principle, who has a son, which represents something that she brought forth of her own initiative. Therefore, her son gets sick and dies. 
It represents the times that we try to manifest a future or the future that we've been manifesting or the seeds that we've been sowing that have been disconnected from the higher self, which Elijah represents. He who sows to the flesh shall reap death. So the son gets sick and dies. So what does she do? She brings the son to Elijah, because you have to have three. You have to have three. Okay, so three. Uh, all right. You don't have to get this, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway, because I think your spirit will get it, even if your mind doesn't. Three is the reconciliation of two opposing forces that have united. One represents that which has no opposite. Two. Okay, let's do it in the garden. God created Adam. Where's Eve? When God created man, where's Eve? Inside the man. So you have one. Then he takes the two. Right? He takes the woman out of Adam. Right? So now you have two opposing opposite energies. And the two shall what? Become one. And what happens? A third is born. So three is an important number. We'll come back to it next week when we get into uh, Ahab. We're going to talk about Jezebel next week. <clears throat> so you have two. You have the widow and the son. You're missing the third. Right? So Elijah shows up, so he brings the third. But there's death, Right? So what does he do? Now, watch what the woman says. Watch this. This is so important. If you don't get anything else, please come back into this room and hear what I'm saying. Quit letting your mind wander to what's going to happen with Coach Vance Joseph today. (laughs) What does the woman say to Elijah when she hands him her son? Have you come to remind me of my sins? It represents the consciousness that is dominated by the flesh, which always thinks about your shortcomings, where you're coming up wrong, and keeps you locked in your own prison of shame and guilt. And all prophetic ministry that functions merely on the lower plane will have that effect on the consciousness. So what does Elijah do? He ascends. He takes the child into the upper room because in the upper room, sin does not exist. You will never change your future You will never let your light shine. You will never operate in gifts of the Spirit until you can get to a place internally in your mind and heart of no shame, no guilt, and no sense of wrongdoing, and no sense of inferiority, and no sense of shortcoming, and no sense of missing the mark. It is only in that place 
that Elijah can lay his essence over the child three times. To bring the son back. So here's the point, gang. What Elijah represents there is the redemption of all the mess you've made because you did not know, either you did not know that you were created to create your own future or you've created your own future based on misguided desires that are out of alignment with God who is perfect love and what he has prepared for you. Those things which you have initiated independently of the Spirit to bring forth out of your own will and desire. That is a mess. And now you're living in it. Now you're living in shame. Now you're living in a bad relationship, a bad marriage, a bad outcome of any kind, an addiction, the wrong job, the wrong career. And here's the beauty of it. If you will take that stuff and you will bring it back into the realm of the higher consciousness, of the higher self, then Christ will lay down on top of those situations and bring them back to life. And let you have them in a redeemed way. Hmm. That's why the Bible says, and we know, that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So that even that stuff that you introduce, see, here's the, here's the point. The things that God has prepared for those who love Him and freely given you, and the things that you introduced into your own life that God never thought of. can also be redeemed and filled with life. Mm. That's pretty good news. <laughs> Let's stand up. Just close your eyes. <clears throat> Close your eyes for a minute. Let the let the spirit let the spirit of God hover hover over your heart and mind right now. The spirit of God brood over the darkness of your future. Maybe you don't have a clue what you want or desire. You don't have a clue what your future holds. Just like the spirit hovered over the darkness in the very beginning of creation, the spirit can hover over the darkness of your own heart and mind. And so, Lord, I thank you right now that just like you said, 
light be into that darkness. I'm asking, Lord, for a divine fiat of light be in our hearts and in our minds. Let our hearts and minds be illuminated right now with the light of heaven, with divine consciousness, with what Paul called the mind of Christ. And Father, I pray for every person in the sound of my voice that we will set aside quality time, that we will be moved and drawn and wooed by your spirit to set aside quality time to begin to explore the realms of the spirit for the things that you have prepared for us because you love us. And that we will lock on and discover that which you have intended, that which you have purposed for our lives. And that we will be able to be the vessel and the vehicle that manifests miracles for ourselves, healings for ourselves, life for ourselves, and ultimately be able to manifest miracles and healing and life for others as well. So we surrender ourselves the mind of Christ. And we give you thanks and praise. If you need healing in your body right now, I want you to just, I want you to understand that that healing exists. (laughs) So I want you to grab it as a thought. It's going to exist in that thought form first. Wherever it is in your body that you need, don't think about the sickness. If you grab the thought of the sickness, you're grabbing hold of that thing. (laughs) So you need to grab hold of the thought of healing. So if you have a bad pancreas because you have diabetes, then don't think about a bad pancreas. Think about a healed pancreas that is functioning exactly the way God created it to function. If you have high blood pressure, problems with your heart, think about a heart and a circulatory system that is functioning exactly the way God created it to function. Introduce that thought into your mind and heart. See a picture of it as best you can. If you have to go home and look up what a pancreas looks like (laughs) in the Internet or whatever, get an image of it embedded in your mind clearly. You don't have to do it right now. And simply transfer that image down to the part of your body where you need healing. And then just give thanks. Just take a moment, just do that. Picture that healed whole part of your body that you need. If your back is hurting, just picture of back with no inflammation (laughs) and then mentally place that in your body where it belongs and give the Lord thanks for healing thank you Father Father we bless you I bless your people once again I pray for prosperous wonderful enjoyable new year that's full of miracles full of surprises full of redemptive acts and healing and joy in jesus name amen god bless you go enjoy your new year and we'll see you next week thank you all for coming god bless you